Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy. We are live from Ignite 2016, the IPBC's annual conference here in beautiful Richmond, Vancouver. And now we're honored to have Andrew Bates, the CEO and founder of SoftTrack. So, Andrew, welcome to the Soul of Enterprise. Well, it's a great pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. So, Andrew, what is your background? Whence you came and how'd you get where you are? the listeners cannot tell how old I am, so they don't know how long that story <laughs> <enough>. might be. <laughs> so, um, cert- uh, SoftTrack has been in business for uh, 31 years now. Oh, wow. We've had over our 30th anniversary. So we predate Windows. We've had our background has been almost exclusively in the small business accounting space. Mm-hmm. Um, we launched our uh, flagship product that um, we're at the show with Adagio Accounting in 1999. But before that, we had been working with uh, a very, very popular market-leading product uh, in North America called ACPAC. Mm, okay. Um, that some of your listeners might remember, but very few. So we started our life as a, a third-party developer for them doing add-ons, and then ultimately decided that we wanted to do our own accounting product, and we did that and launched it in 1999. Right. So our product, Adagio, uh, accounting has been um, on the market for over 15 years, enjoys uh, sales both sides of the 49th parallel, mm. plus uh, South Africa and Singapore and Malaysia. So we have an international presence as well. Uh, but it's been, uh, it's been a very interesting journey with lots of, lots of changes. I bet. You've seen a lot going back 31 years. Well, I like to joke with people that when I started the, debo- the big debate about color monitors in the accounting department <laughs> was whether they be green, amber, or white. white. Because none of us could possibly imagine why you would ever want a color monitor in the accounting department. Of course, in those days, uh, the price was well north of $5,000 a monitor. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't the $179 that it is today. And they are considerably bigger than the flat screens. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, very true. It took up a lot more room. A lot on, more yeah, room. Yeah. A lot more real estate. So, Andrew, you're not an accountant. You're, what is your background? You're a software developer? I'm a software developer. I've, I uh, seem to have uh, fallen into this because um, there are skills that you can teach yourself. And programming is one of those skills. And uh, uh, I built a microcomputer at the same time that Bill Gates was uh, oh, wow. selling Radio Shack uh, PCs and was involved in the very, very early days of, uh, of personal computers. I uh, liked the fact that uh, I had always enjoyed programming. Um, I found, uh, um, I, I made a connection with the people who were developing early micro-based accounting products um, because I wasn't a very good computer builder and they were servicing the machine that I had built. So uh, they helped me get my computer running. And then I went to work there and, uh, uh, you know, kind of, you'd say the, the rest is history. But you can, uh, modern uh, computer systems, while we say we do accounting, we do bookkeeping more than we do accounting. Mm-hmm. We don't do taxes, uh, but my company does not do uh, tax accounting. Um, we we really just manage the transactions going through the organization. And right. we, of course, we look to the accountant to decide whether something is to be a capitalized expense or or on the P&L. So, you know, th- we, we just track where things are going. And then our particular emphasis has been on reporting where those transactions are going and providing operational financial statements and facilities for the accounting department to uh, make their overall process better. 
Because an interesting thing about accounting software or software in general has been that uh, when, when we started the development of Adagio back in 99, we felt that we had a very good model for the way we wanted the accounting system to work. But we, we would be full-time employed just enabling, making use of the enabling technologies that Windows put at our disposal. Because mm -hmm. this 99, you know, if you look back to 99, that's Windows 3.1. We felt, um, so for, in, for example, probably a good example. Uh, Windows enables you to email invoices. Right. Well, that's a lot of research and development to do that. At the time that we started looking at it, that was before Adobe PDF files were as common as they were. That really came in 95, so there was no real standard of how you were going to email an invoice. So, but, but emailing an invoice is about a different method of delivery of an invoice. It's not a change to the accounting process. It's not right. a change for the accounting of the invoice. It's a change in the facilities that the overall world allows you to implement. And it will change the way that the accounting department begins to process documents. And we've certainly seen over the last two to three years an enormous shift to paperless. Right. Now, um, part of that's driven by uh, cost, where the accounting department is very focused on uh, expense saving. And they're beginning to realize, well, first of all, you can email an invoice much less expensively than you can mail it. Mail it, sure. With much less personnel intervention in the process. Mm. So you end up with um, a more efficient process that costs less money. So you can handle more transactions. And all of the, the things about paperless um, begin to come together with a truly radical decrease in the cost of disk space. If I if someone said to me, well, what's the biggest change you've seen? That would be the biggest change. Yeah. Well, the internet. Okay, so sure, sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll I'll give you the internet, but but the fact that you can buy a terabyte disk drive for a hundred bucks at your at, right. you know your local office supply store, uh, very few people understand how much storage that is, mm. um, the kind of things that that enables, and it enables it enables document storage and and archiving across all business sizes, not just uh, the American Expresses and the Standard Oils and the Johnson & Johnsons of the world, but almost any size business now can begin to consider moving all of their filing cabinet uh, material onto a tiny little thing that sits on their desk onto yeah. a flash drive. It's amazing. Know? It's amazing. It is yeah. amazing how much that, tec <laughs> that technology has dropped in price. Um, yeah. Well, Andrew, you've got an interesting, uh, you, you know, uh, interesting perch on the profession. You've been an a observer of it for a long time, active participant. What do you see as the profession's biggest challenges? I, I, I think that for everybody, um, le learning is the biggest challenge. Mm. Learning about new things, about mm. um, probably an ongoing refrain is that I hear is, is something user-friendly. But user-friendly comes with familiarity. It comes with knowing how something works. And I think that we can all think of examples where someone said, oh, I really like this, it's very user-friendly. And when we looked down and investigated the process, it didn't seem very user-friendly mm. to us because the process was unfamiliar. Staying on top of uh, changes, about you can just look at the, um, Re new releases of Windows, Windows 95, and then Windows XP, and 
um, Vista, Vista, our, our favorite. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, uh, and then Windows 10, and then Windows 10 Anniversary Edition, the latest. Everyone looks and says, oh, why did they change anything? And as we get older, we become more and more resistant to change. We begin to wonder, well, why are they changing that? What was the purpose of changing that? But sometimes you have to change things to take you to a different to, to the next, next stage, right? Right. right? And, and for the people who are living through the process, they they see themselves in the valley, oh, right. not because they're not privy or they can't see where where this is going to lead to. I would not have believed how good voice recognition would get mm. um, over the decade that I've been involved. Right. Um, I would not, and, and uh, speaker independent voice recognition, not just uh, speak a phone number or something like that, but the, the, the capabilities of Cortana and Siri mm. really are awe inspiring if you think about it. Sure. Um, I would not, um, I don't think anyone can foresee um, where some technologies are going to take us. I don't, I, I think it's very difficult to foresee. I saw, I saw, uh, uh, the founders of Google interviewed when they were just Stanford students talking about their ability to distill large bodies of text to tiny little thing, tiny little uh, kernels of the, uh, the the content. And I thought, I wonder what on earth they can see that right. happening. Like, why is that useful? Right. I, right. And I remember an article in a magazine I subscribed to from Texas Instruments describing an integrated circuit that was covered with tiny little mirrors that you could control with transistors. I thought, well, that's that's a weird thing. What would you ever want to do with that? But that's the basis of the DLP from Texas Instruments, all the sure. el all the projectors that came out in the 90s and 2000s. So you never really know where this stuff is going. What does a driverless car look like? Sure. Sure. Yeah, the, dri the driver. We're obsessed with the driverless car on this show. We're also obsessed with uh, AI, like with Watson and and deep learning, like uh, you know DeepMind, uh, Google's DeepMind. Yes. That just beat the world's best Go player. Uh, how do you see all of that technology? Are you optimistic about some of that technology coming in and helping the professions, even though it might disrupt some of the things they do? I'm I'm always optimistic. I'm. I could joke that I'm a software developer, which it makes me inherently optimistic. Right, right. <laughs> Genetically. <laughs> Genetically I mean, yeah, predisposed yeah. to optimism. I think it's, uh, you know, going, circling back to the, it's hard to predict where this will go. I think that, um, uh, it's, I think that many uh, tasks will change. I think that the straight data entry task, which accounting uh, departments have been faced with, is, is changing. Um, uh, it's changing through optical character recognition mm. and just the, and, and when you begin to tie uh, intelligence or a learning capability to OCR, you, the, the whole data entry task change, well, disappears for all intents and purposes. But that, it takes a very long uh, adoption curve. Um, I travel, I do a lot of travel and talking to people in the accounting department and I ask them when they get an invoice by email, because many, many people send their invoices by email because sure. of reasons we talked about earlier. So at the receiving accounting department, when that email comes in, what's the very first thing they do with that email? Well, they print it. Mm. And they print it mm. because their internal business processes require a signature sure. for approval. 
and a place to write the general ledger distribution of the expenses and notations about it. Their, their internal process cannot cope with an electronic mm. Thing, mm. Um, document. And then ultimately, after that piece of paper has wandered around through all the various people, they want to recapture it electronically with all the notes on it. And then they want to store it with the accounting transaction. Right. So it takes a long time for businesses to, businesses of any scale, I mean, a sole practitioner can do anything, but businesses of scale have require assistance in developing new processes to deal with the changes that they're faced with. AI is, we, we see it in speech recognition, requires an enormous amount of computing horsepower to figure out what someone's saying. Mm -hmm. Even our brains, which are massively parallel computers that have been doing this for millions of years, can misunderstand what they hear. Sure. Right? And, and there are many funny examples of that happening. Sure, sure. Misheard lyrics in songs. All, and, and we understand speech because we have an innate context of the speech, which we just have because we are human. Right. Computers do not have that context. And the challenge over the last 15 or 20 years has been to try and provide them a sense of context. There was a, a very classic um, American military experiment where they tried to teach a computer how to recognize tanks on the battlefield, uh, mm -hmm. uh, an American tank versus... Mm -hmm. And at the end of this entire learning process, what they discovered they had taught the computer was how to identify that it was sunny. Not what the vehicle was, but that it was a sunny day. day. All <laughs> and so learning algorithms have to be carefully vetted mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. they are set loose on, on, the, on the planet, right? Because you never right, know right. quite what's, what's happening. And in complex systems, it's sometimes very difficult to figure out what's going on in highly complex systems. Right, right. right. So I, eat <laughs> I just got stepped off a plane yesterday, and I always sit in an airport with some sense of awe that it all works. Me too. Every time I fly, I, I, I am in awe of it. Um, well, I, and I would imagine because of your genetic optimism as a, a programmer that you would say maybe some of the opportunities for the profession are some of the flip side of the challenges. Uh, I think so. I think that um, in what I've seen in the last year is more of our clients uh, looking to their professionals to help them, um, g to guide them through the right. maze. Uh, people do have a sense of how complex it is. I think that if... Uh, if uh, people are prepared to learn. I used to joke that the difference between a consultant and the person they were helping was that the consultant had read the manual. Right, right. You know? yep. and, and so if you are willing to learn and to share that knowledge with people and uh, to assist them make their own uh, decision-making process, um, there will always be work for you. There, there, there will always be people who are looking for advice and won't automatically turn to uh, the social media channels that are out there. Although people do check those. Not to, not to say that that's not a valuable source of information, but there's nothing better than the personalized service with someone who understands your business process. So, and that's what um, uh, the IPBC offers. It offers a, a framework for learning. It offers a network of support, and there's nothing better than that network to be able to talk to other people who have, uh, have um, worked through some of the problems that you might be faced in a particular consulting engagement. That, that's very valuable. Right. No, I agree. Well, Andrew, this has been fantastic, and I'm going to ask you one of our last questions is, 
who is one of your heroes and why? Oh, okay, so uh, who's one of my heroes? Well, like all sons, my dad is a hero, is a very personal hero. Like, so very if good. you said, who is your hero? Of course, my father's my hero. Sure. Um, in terms of people I ad admire, who I, uh, I, I think, well, that is a, an amazing individual. Rick Hansen would be one, too, mm. who uh, was made a paraplegic in a van accident uh, when he was a teenager and went on to raise millions and millions of dollars for spinal cord mm. research. And, mm. and I have watched, I was on a plane with him and watched him board the plane and leave the plane and go down an escalator in his wheelchair. Wow. Because um, he was ahead of me. And I thought, well, there's a man who has overcome many obstacles because, uh, and, and so that would, you know, but there are many, many admirable people on the planet. Sure. You know. I, I agree. It's an unfair question. Well, <laughs> that's why you know. we ask. It. <laughs> <laughs> well, Andrew, if people want to contact you, reach out. How can they get a hold of you? Um, well, uh, we, uh, well, of course, um, we're on the on the interweb uh, at www.softtrack.com. That's our company. Um, we've had a web presence since 1995. That's S O F T R A K. 1K, 1T, no right. C. You right. know, we named gotcha. the company in 1985. Sure. If I'd known sure. how many times I was going to have to spell it with the S's and the yeah. F's and all of that, I probably would have chosen a different name. But it's softtrack.com. Uh, we have, um, we're available on Twitter, Adagio by Softtrack, uh, at Adagio by Softtrack. Um, we are on Facebook, Adagio Accounting. Um, and uh, I'm very locatable as Andrew Bates and Softrack Systems on the internet if someone wants to reach out and love to hear from them. Excellent. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for appearing on the Soul of Enterprise. Well, I appreciate it. Great pleasure. Thank you so thank much. Thank you.